You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. I'm so glad you were able to make it today, having consumed enormous quantities of food uh, over the last three or four days. Um, I anticipate, I am enormously gratified uh, that some of you, uh, during a sermon on Sunday morning, will pray for me. I, I notice it. Some of you really get into the praying, you know. It's like, <laughs> I would anticipate a few more than normal this morning uh, praying for me. So, I'm, again, I'm just excited about that. We do want to uh, please be lifting up those coming back uh, uh, from travels. This is supposed to be a record weekend for travel. A lot of students coming back again, having consumed a lot of food. And so just pray for safety. Uh, I hope you will be here Wednesday night. Look, we've had a couple of grace matters, and I know you're not in the habit of coming out uh, to church on Wednesday night here at Grace because of our home groups. We have so much going on. Uh, in, in other places, uh, but please be here. This is an important topic this week. We're talking about how, you know, we often say our, our, our interaction with the world is limited about what we can accomplish socially. We certainly can accomplish a great deal in the church, and then that will spread. So we want you to be here Wednesday night as we talk about race uh, relations and then in January, we're going to actually have three uh, Wednesday nights in a row, the last three Wednesdays in January, where we're talking about the sacraments and, and, and baptism and uh, communion. As non-denominational uh, members, we tend to not put as much emphasis on some of the things that Scripture puts a great deal of emphasis on. We've been trying to move in that direction for a long time. So we want to talk about why, why it is uh, that so many um, non-denominational churches don't put... Look, American Christianity is very American, and so we want to think about being as biblical as we possibly can. Everybody says that, and culture always impacts the way you think about uh, theology, but we want as much as possible to be... Uh, in line with the word. I was thinking this morning uh, as we were singing, reasonably intelligent people sitting here this morning, singing with all our hearts, worship and praise to our God. Uh, either we are really weird or we believe what we're talking about because we believe with all of our hearts that it's true. And we do. Well, this morning marks uh, the last of 10 Sundays in a series that we've been doing that commemorates the 500th anniversary, 500th anniversary of the Reformation. I hope you've enjoyed this series and you've learned a lot. Several of you have told me how much you've learned. Elders, we all feel the same. We have learned a great deal or truth that we have believed before has been uh, impressed upon us in far deeper and uh, fuller ways than, than before. We've been studying the five solas, or sola is the Latin word for alone, and the five solas are the doctrinal points of interest that, that distinguish between Catholic theology and Protestant theology. 
And when you get over on the Protestant side, there are some who believe uh, very strongly in these five solas. And then there are many others who think pretty loosely about what Scripture says and what it means. Um, we believe that Scripture alone, not what the Pope says, not what our hearts say, not what Disney tells us to believe, follow your heart. But Scripture alone points to salvation in Christ alone, or only in Christ. He is our only hope of salvation. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, not by good works on our part in any measure. Good works absolutely ought to characterize believers' lives, but it's not the, the way that we become Christians. It's not how we are saved. We're saved by grace through faith. And our salvation is to the glory of God alone. Today is our second Sunday focusing on this last sola, soli Deo Gloria, to God alone or for the glory of God alone. Last week, uh, seven of our elders sat on a panel and we talked about what we learned in this series. And we answered questions about God's glory. This morning, you're going to have an opportunity to share what's on your heart twice a year. Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have time for testimonies. So after an abbreviated, well, after a sort of abbreviated sermon, we're going to have time for testimonies. Going to hear from Sean Cross, uh, who is uh, our, our former church member and staff member who has planted in Washington, D.C. We have a little video from him. They were telling me that before he was upside down, then it's double. The video, we're having trouble with the video, so hopefully... We may get twice the blessing from Sean. We get the double uh, wording from him. Um, I, I would love to hear what you have learned in this series about the, the five solas. Whether it, it concerns the extent of God's grace or the exclusivity of Christ and our relationship with God. Or the blessed debt we owe to the Lord for our glorious salvation. Do you think of salvation in that way? glorious salvation or is it just kind of, well, I'm a Christian, you know, yes, I go to church. I, or is it God's glorious salvation? Do you feel this way about your relationship with the Lord because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross where his blood became a propitiation for sin? Pro-what? Propitiation. The truth that Jesus' blood satisfied the righteous and just wrath of God that was directed towards sin and towards sinners. Jesus' sacrifice is the way that God remained just in condemning sin while at the same time justifying sinners. Does that make sense to you? If you've been here the last 10 weeks, I surely hope it makes sense to you. Uh, if not, perhaps today's text will help these audacious claims of Scripture to take begin to take shape in your, in your mind. Our text today is Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Uh, it's one of many times in Revelation where men and women and, and angels and the elders just break out in praise to God. I, I think about this a lot, and I think I've said it recently, but when we're in heaven, our bodies are, are going to be perfect. I mean, you're never going to look in the mirror and say, oh, I just wish... This or that. We're going to have perfect bodies. We're going to have perfect minds. Not only will we not forget everything, anything, we'll understand completely as God understands. 
And there will be only one body in heaven that is marred. And that will be Jesus. And we'll be constantly reminded with this perfect knowledge of why we are where we are. Because of his sacrifice. And no wonder over and over redeemed men and women from every tongue and tribe break out in praise to God. Over and over saying hallelujah. (coughs) And this word. Which, by the way, is only used in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. Maybe you knew that or maybe you didn't. It's from a Hebrew term that means praise Yahweh. As we read the text, you may be surprised to see and to to learn that that, that those in heaven uh, who are praising the Lord not only praise him for his, his Goodness, but they also glorify him because he has brought severe judgment against his enemies. That's difficult for us to get our heads around sometimes in our day. Uh, Revelation 19, 1 to 10 is our text. I'm going to read only the first five verses initially. Uh, It's our custom to stand for the reading of God's word. So I will ask you if you would please stand. Let's read Revelation 19. Beginning with verse verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments, judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. Let's pray. Well, Father, um, as we have thought about the remarkable ways that you have looked down and reached down on the earth and saved us from certain destruction, our hearts are grateful. Lord, give us faith. That seeks understanding, not a heart that seeks knowledge so that we might believe. Lord, um, we thank you for Jesus. And we pray that he would be magnified and exalted in our hearts and in our minds on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please see. Maybe one of the more compelling Evidences of a good creator God is this desire for justice in our hearts. Um, All week long after the death of Charles Manson, I heard people who were delighted that he had died. Burn in hell is what you heard over and over about Charles Manson. How many times have you heard the last several weeks, there's a special place in hell for people who this and that. 
There is an understandable satisfaction for many who have been abused sexually by, by predators, by people in positions of power who had taken advantage of those who were not in power. There is something in us that just cries out for justice. And fortunately, there is a God who will bring justice for all. Unfortunately, there is a God who will bring justice to all. We've seen this over and over in Scripture during this series. All sin will be judged by God. Not just the sins that we rightly deem reprehensible. Our only hope is that someone take the penalty of our sin, which is death, spiritual death as well as physical death. When we die, look, if I were to kill over here and die, would my soul remain with my spirit? No, my soul is separated from our, my spirit. I, you, and, and if this were a special effects movie where you could see special effects, you'd see the soul coming up and people would scream and other people would be making doors where there are no doors and people would be moving out of this place. My soul is separated from my body when I die. And if I am dead spiritually, I'm separated from God for all eternity. The good news that we learn in Scripture, good news is that Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth, fully human, fully God, lived a perfect life which we were utterly incapable of living. God requires perfection. We think God wants us to be good. And it's easy to be good. Just look at your neighbor. You're better than your neighbor. I know you are. I know you are. At least in some things. Maybe your garden is not as nice. But there are ways your yard is kept better. I don't know. You're better. So, but God requires perfection. And so sin, all sin, is an offense against a holy, righteous God. And so when Jesus lived, he kept the law perfectly in every single point, something that none of us could do. He thus became an eligible sacrifice for sin when he died on the cross. Look, if, if, you, if a steak is being served and you don't want steak and I say, hey, hey, that's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that for you. I'll, I'll eat your steak. That's no big deal, right? I mean, I love... Look, if I'm a sinner... And I want to die for my wife, Allison, if I want to take her punishment, in fact, and say, God, I'll spend eternity separated from you. It's like, no, she's a sinner. You're a sinner. Everybody pays unless an eligible one makes the payment, which is exactly what Jesus did. God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. And again, if you believe this, then you're going to sing praises. You're going to say, thank you, God. When we acknowledge our sin before God or we repent of our sin and when we believe that Jesus died in our place, God counts our faith as righteousness because we can never be good enough. He declares that we are righteous. We are just as righteous as Jesus. And it is so. In the same way that he declared Jesus just as sinful as we are on the cross. He declares us just as righteous as Jesus. No matter our past, when we hide behind the cross, when we find ourselves in Christ, then we find ourselves one day around the throne of heaven. 
Several of you have told me you'd like to learn more about the book of Revelation. I've been thinking and praying about a way that we could teach through the book of Revelation, but probably not on Sunday morning. Maybe Sunday morning, maybe not. The elders and I will be discussing this. We'll all be thinking about ways that we can teach uh, Revelation. But I have to warn you, Revelation will challenge your assumptions about fairness at an uncomfortable level. If you think God's sense of justice is the same as your sense of justice, then be prepared for a very firm slap in the face. And you're going to respond in one of two ways. Either you'll walk away and say, that's it, I can't take that. Or you'll say, thanks, I needed that. That's, that's a bit of old school humor that's probably not so funny in our day. Really, very few things are funny anymore in our day, aren't they? We take things so seriously and we miss the most important thing. And it's nothing compared to what we'll see in Revelation. So, look, let's work through our, our, our text and bring ridiculously brief applications so that we can uh, get to the testimonies. Can you imagine the scene that is described in our text? Um, my, my friend from Cary, Charles Green, is here. and He's a big NC State fan. I'm a big Carolina fan. And yesterday was not a good day for me. That means today is not a good day for me. So Webb, all of them, greens your man, go to him and tell him. Because we're going to have lunch together. I, I can't make it for the chili lunch. And by the way, if you have not signed up, this is once, the one time I'll say, if you haven't signed up for hanging up the greens afterwards, please don't stay. Typically, I would say stay, but we're, we're out of chili, it, it appears. Um, that stadium was rocking yesterday, NC State Stadium. You ever been at a concert or a stadium, at a ball game, in a coliseum, where it was so loud you couldn't even hear yourself think? Um, you couldn't speak, much less uh, hear, you, hear conversation going on. Michael and I, on, sort of on a last minute, went to, in the early years of, of Carolina Hurricanes, they were in the playoffs. We went to a game five against New Jersey, uh, and, and they were behind the whole game. 2-1, tied it with about a minute to go, and then in overtime, won the game. And honestly, you know that big horn that blows when they score a goal? Couldn't hear it. It was so loud in that. That's what you get a sense of happening right here. And it's all praise and glory to the Lord. They cry out hallelujah in praise of God. The men and women who stand before the throne of God no longer have sympathy for those who defy the Lord because they are now perfect, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Look, in our day, what does the Lord tell us about those who are lost and those who even do evil against us? He says, forgive them. And he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. We have limited understanding. So far better when somebody does you wrong to just say, let me, I'm just going to let the Lord take care of that. Because my vengeance will not only be inexact, it will be harmful to me as well as the other person. But at this point... They're perfect. And so they cry out, Lord, how long are you going to wait for these who have killed your children, martyred your children? When are you going to judge them? 
They not only praise God for saving them, but they ascribe glory and power to God and give thanks that he has rightly judged those who refused his goodness and defiled themselves with others in their sin. If in your heart you're thinking, who is he? Who is he to judge anyone? The answer will be in scripture, the true and just one who created us and redeemed a people for himself. Not a popular sentiment in our day. But if you believe scripture to be God's word, then you have no choice but to land in this place. Look, either accept it or just throw it out. You can't play at it. Now, if you're trying to process it, okay, take time and process it. But you can't say, well, I believe this part of scripture, but I don't really believe this over here. Why would we say that? Because this part suits the way I think about life. It's, it suits my worldview. But this doesn't. So there's value in Scripture, but only so. No, it's, it's either or. None of us is granted the choice to take what we want of Scripture and reject the rest. Now, if you take God's word, you may be greatly persecuted. And while you may pray, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. And that is a good prayer, just like Stephen imitated Jesus' prayer when he was being stoned to death. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. One day you will praise God for his justice. That doesn't make sense to any of us. We wouldn't do it this way. In verse 6, the praise swells. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Look, of all the metaphors for the church, such as the body of Christ, uh, a temple, a family, the household of faith, household of God, none is more intimate than our status as the bride of Christ. What does it mean? I don't know fully. It's really an interesting metaphor that the church is the bride of Christ And that we have a wedding and that there's great marriage feast of the land. Notice in verse 8 that we did not bring our own wedding clothes. It was granted her to be dressed in a particular way. Our wedding attire will be provided for us since we are totally incapable of clothing ourselves in the required manner. Now, once again... If I truly believe that this is the case, then I will not only sing praise and worship to the Lord, but I will desire to live in a manner that pleases the Lord. And such choices become the righteous deeds of the saints. Again, not my goodness, but his goodness in me. If you are indeed the bride of Christ, Grace Community Church and I, I'm on the front row here in this and the back row. If you are indeed the bride of Christ, 
Why do you live as though you're not? That's for me. Why not live like it? That's for you. And the angel said to me in verse 9, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I, the apostle John, who's writing this, fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit prophecy. When you worship Jesus, you worship God. And if you worship God, then you are called to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Before we participate in uh, testimony and praise, I want to close um, with this concluding, the concluding points made in the last book of the series that the elders have been looking at. Uh, on these five solas. Uh, David Van Drunen wrote the book titled God's Glory Alone. And at the end, he called the church to give glory to God in the face of enormous social and cultural pressure in the following three areas, although not directly stated as challenges. So first is this. We're called to prayer and worship in an age of distraction. There was something I wanted to uh, say about that, but let me just check my phone uh, before I do. I'll, I'll be right back. Uh, I can't believe it. Well, there are no phones, I'm guessing, in the Revelation 19 scene. <laughs> Second, the fear of the Lord in an age of narcissism. Guilty. Perhaps you and I are not narcissists in a classical personality disorder since David Dermott helped me a lot with this. We've talked a lot about this, um, and he's, he's helped me to understand narcissism, and I do understand it so much better. He's a psychologist, counsels with people, and I recognize that some people, it's a personality disorder that is... Not likely to change short of some cataclysmic event in his or her life. And maybe we're not at that level, but we tend to be all about ourselves, don't we? Look, if you put anything uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, are you not constantly checking to see who's checked in? And life revolves around who's liking your stuff. Or loving your stuff. Maybe you can tell the difference in a technical sense when a person moves from desperately needing others' approval to demanding to having his or her own way with no regard for others. But all of us are infected a little bit with this in this day and age. My goodness, why would every single retailer say, you deserve this if it didn't Hit a nerve. It hits a nerve for me. I don't like it. And you know what? Because I don't like that kind of stuff, I feel better about those of you that it appeals to. So you can't win. I mean, it's constantly, it's about me. You know any politicians who are narcissists? There are a lot more than you think. Some are just smoother than others. Most of us have this bent 
toward me, 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 me. The fear of the Lord is a cure for that. But we don't fear God very well in an age of narcissism. Last, glorifying God in an age that is passing. I don't know about you. Look, I, am, I, I had my 64th birthday this week. The one birthday, yeah. yeah. I know you're shocked. <laughs> you thought it was 54, didn't you? It's the one year, LaDonna and I were talking about this the other night. It's one year you really wish you were older, you know. <laughs> when you're 65, life is a little bit easier. So I'm in that kind of place where you want it to be just one year more. But really, I, I know I, I, I got all kinds of physical issues. I know I'm going to die, but there's a part of me that really doesn't know that I'm going to die. You know, I just think it's going to keep on going. It's going to keep on going. I've lost the dearest person in the world to me, my, my, my first wife. I have another dearest person in the world to me. And my second wife, Allison, whom you know and love. Most of you, many of you have known both of them and you. Know what beautiful women they both are. Um, but even still, I, somehow, I just think it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. This age is passing. We're reminded every day that this world is passing, and yet we don't embrace it because we want to live forever. Well, here's good news and bad news. We will live forever. In the presence of God or out of the presence of God? And if we have believed God, our primary focus and drive in life should be to glorify Him, though that's much easier said than done. Glorify Him in everything that we do. Johann Sebastian Bach uh, composed music as an offering to God. To God. His heart was, was so in tune with the Lord that... He was led to say, in effect, when I write music, it is because God has given me a gift and I owe him my best. Whenever Bach would write music, he would get to the last measure of his composition. He would sign his music in this way. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be glory. May it be so of our lives. So. Now it's testimony time. Uh, we got a couple of guys who are going to uh, have microphones, and they'll come to you. If you don't want to be online, then probably best that you share your testimony later, not this morning, because these are going online. Um, but before we do, we'll want to hear from uh, Sean Cross. Sean and Melissa are about to buy, purchase a home. If, I, if it's still, is that still on? Did we know? In January, I think, is when they're going to close on this home. In Northeast Washington, D.C., so exciting the way the Lord has uh, worked in their lives. And they've also found a much better space. They were meeting in a movie theater. They've already filled it up. Uh, a lot of you don't know Sean and Melissa. He was youth director here for a long time. Uh, student at Campbell, attended, went to Reform Seminary. And I didn't find this out until much later. But when Linda got sick, he and Melissa just sensed, we need to be back. Um, and so uh, they are have planted a church in Washington, D.C., uh, and it's really a sister church of ours. They're very much a part of grace. So we'll hear from Sean, and then we'll have testimonies. We're hey limited guys, time. Sean. 
be ready to speak. Here with Union Church, really excited to share some news with you, a couple updates about how we're doing and how our church family is growing. The first thing that I want to share with you is the exciting news that our church family has a new permanent home, uh, at least for the next three years. Uh, we are in that new space now, and uh, it may not seem like much, but we have been praying for and waiting for this for a long time, and the Lord opened up a space for us in Northeast, in a neighborhood, close to the community, a community that's very diverse, uh, both with people who are new to D.C. and have been in D.C. for a while, uh, many different nations, and so we're so excited about the ministry opportunities having this space affords us. Uh, it allows us the opportunity to uh, host events for uh, centered around the gospel, around justice and mercy, around the community to meet needs in that way. Uh, we'll have a space built in here for our kids. And so we're very excited that the Lord has provided this for us. And, and we recognize that this would not be possible without your contribution, without your support, without your prayers. And so we want to say thank you. The Lord has seen fit to grow our church family over the last year, uh, adding to our numbers sort of consistently, and, and we're seeing the ministry and the work continue. So thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We love you guys. Hey guys, it's Sean. Okay, hey, by the way, one of the best things you could do for Sean and Melissa, pray for them uh, uh, every day if you, if you are so inclined. Prayer is a difficult discipline for me. For those of you who are prayers, please pray for them every day. But if you have opportunity, would you go visit? Now, you're going to, they used to be in a place where you could stay with them, but now you're going to have to get a hotel, and it would be expensive. I realize it'd be an expensive trip. Chris Pope and who was Burt Wallace? No, it wasn't Burt. Who was it? Lee Williford was with us. 64 and counting. Um, was The three of us took the train up to D.C. That was a great weekend and got to spend time with them. So you can do that. Take the train up. Alright, who would like to share something that a wonderful thing that God has done for you? Well, um, as a lot of you know, I was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer uh, a little over a year ago. And uh, I have completed the treatments. Um, the scans and the tests are all clear, so we praise God for that. Um, thank Him for the support that I've had, uh, the care I received from the doctors um, and my family and friends. Uh, thank you for the healing that. I'm experiencing now uh, in recovery uh, and for the peace that he gave me uh, through the treatment process uh, as you can imagine that's a, a very difficult time <clears throat> through that through that time he gave me peace and that's just a wonderful gift from a loving father mm -hmm. I just praise him for that and thank you all for your support as well the, uh, the prayers the phone calls the cards um, the visits the text messages it all means so much um, when you're hurting to know your brothers and sisters are praying for you. So thank you. You know, right when I said, uh, I think most of us think we're going to live forever. My eyes fell on Colby and I'm thinking, I that. you know, <laughs> yeah, look, it's never a bad thing to be faced with your mortality because we all are going 
to die. And we need to be ready for that. Again, look, why do, why do we want to go to heaven when we live in heaven, right? But we don't live in heaven. And this life is going to end. And so it's a, a good thing. But what a beautiful testimony Kobe and Kim have been, the entire family. We, we, we love you very much and are so grateful for the news that we have received. Not everybody at once, please. Um, I think, you know, for me, uh, just, I just want to say going through the series of the solace was really great because, um, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I was saved at an early age at seven years old, and I grew up in a Baptist church and um, very different in, in, in how uh, things were done, but... You know, over the years, my understanding of my relationship with Christ, the way that I viewed grace and the way that I viewed faith has really evolved. And, and you know, I, I probably, if you had asked me several years ago, well, you know, what's faith to you? Well, I would have maybe said, well, it's an action on my part to trust Him. Or, you know, it's initiated by me in part. And, and, you know, the understanding of that um, has grown and has expanded and to where it's quite, very quite humbling to realize for me that it's only by His grace that He came to me and that He said, Josh, here I am. Here's what I did for you. Um, do you believe? You believe what I did for you. And it, but it wasn't me finding him. It wasn't me for searching for him. It wasn't any action on my part. It was solely based on what he did for me and by his grace alone. That, that because of that, that enabled a response, or I should say demanded a response. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I have been preaching grace alone for a long, long time, but I really, I understand it at a much richer level than I ever have before, grace and, and faith. So I, I hear you and appreciate. For those of you who have not been here, we've taken two weeks on each of the solas, and the first week, an abbreviated sermon and a panel discussion. Um, so that's been with our elders who have been studying, and it's been a, a great time. But interestingly, two, two different times of testimony on glory to God alone, but if, if of all the ones, this is the one you'd want it. So your turn. So... Uh... A couple years after I was saved, I spent a period where I uh, went into sort of a, a willful ignorance or a willful rejection where uh, I had some things I wanted to do and God wasn't part of that. And so uh, at, at the end of this period, I find myself in a southern collusion. And I was a, I was a company level intel seller, job to go to tactical targeting. And we just rolled up a cell of guys that had uh, 24 hours earlier shot a friend of mine off the and so we're bouncing down a road, 
taking these guys in there, and they're a little high back, and it's all them, and they're tied up, and me, because that was my job. And uh, we hit a pretty good rut, and again, at this point in my life, I haven't prayed for about a year and a half, and I haven't wanted to, because I knew what the response was going to be. And uh, we hit a rut, back door pops open, guy bounces up, bounces out. And on instinct, I kind of reach for and I grab his collar, and I grab the back of the high back, and now we're bouncing down the road, and he's hanging over, and I'm trying to hold on, and he's not helping because he's shaking his screen. And I look behind me, and uh, the guy driving the up armor company behind me puts his thumb down. And he's telling me, drop this dude. And I'll roll over him. And this guy will be taken care of. I was angry. I was really deep deep down and angry and tired. And I was letting go. And as clear as someone in this room is talking, I heard someone yank me back and say, stop. If you do this, you can never undo this. And no matter what you do for the rest of your life, and no matter who you are, you will always be the man that murdered. And so I and I pretended like I hadn't seen him, and I pulled him back in. And uh, there have been a lot of places in my life where God has kind of intervened directly. But I can point to that point and say that if it weren't for a God willing to reach into my life, even after I was saved, I would, I would be a murderer. Yeah, the mercy of God is preventative as well as active, isn't it? The Keeps us from doing a lot of things. Where were you, Charlie, or would you have to kill us all if you told us? <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was not a big deal. It was just Southern Exclusion. I'll go. Like I say, I'm grateful for my brother John right here. So this is weird uh, for you. Maybe turn red. But I'm grateful for his family. Man, John and Jen, they've been, they've been incredible to our family. So we, we needed a home group different circumstances uh, a few months ago, and we, we asked about coming to theirs, but we're like, we have five kids, are you sure? And uh, they, they let us come and have welcomed all of us into their home every Monday night. Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been incredible. Uh, I just can't remember. Very that. meaningful. Right, yeah. <laughs> Those uh, Monday nights. <laughs> we show up, there's tons of, uh, I mean, there's them, Mr. Lee, and Ms. Uh, Marisol, who I think are in Puerto Rico now. They're there, tons of uh, college students, young adults. I mean, we've got to know Daniel, Michael. Seth, uh, Josh, I mean, m m many different guys who I, I didn't know, um, and girls, and Mr. Lee, and Ms. Marisol, and the, the Bart family, so it's been really good. I'm grateful for them opening their home. I mean, everybody's in their socks. There's good food to eat. John always has something to burn. After home group, we go out and catch some, you know, get a fire going. Our kids are riding their bikes. Anyway, it's just a, I'm very grateful for his family. Um, I know my, my, my wife is, too. So let me think, college guys in sock feet. <clears throat> where do you uh, where do you meet again <laughs> on Monday nights? Yeah, that's an awesome home group. We have a lot of students that are attending there, and a lot that attend Tuesday night in Bowie's Creek at the Pope. So, if you're a student, not many here today, but if you are and you're not in a home group, please get plugged in. You look, and and guys, you got You have to reach out to the students. What advantages are to a student who comes here and that's all they know about church life is what they see on Sunday morning. Church is so much greater. And when they leave this place, 
and they get out into the world, unless there's a big singles ministry, they're going to quickly find they have more in common with pagans at work than they do people in church. But if you're already used to interacting with adults, it's one of those weird times college, you know. And if indeed the 30 is the new 20 or 15, as I heard the other day, um, then we've got a lot of helping to do, helping to grow people up. So you've got to reach out. Don't expect them to do all the reaching. You just have to be, you have to care enough about them to not care what they think of you, right? So if you feel stupid when you're talking to them, that's okay. I'm just going to keep doing that if you don't give testimonies. I'm just going to keep either preaching or we're going to go home really early. Someone else, who, who else would like to share? I'm not in a talkative mood today. A call breath, of course. Hi. <laughs> so I don't know if all of you here know me. I'm, um, I would say, probably one of the younger members of our church. I'm about 16. My name is Katie Colbreth. And just the other day, I was sitting with my dad at my house, and he had out his computer, and he was showing me, um, we got this big file drive of all these computers from, like, since, I mean, all of these photos since, like, 2011. And... I'm watching, and he finds Google Photos. You know how it has that smart feature where it picks out faces and it goes through your photos and says, well, that person is Katie Colbreth. I can tell who that person is. So you can click on Katie Colbreth, and it has me from 2011 to 2017. And so we were going through all of those photos, and I was just looking at a lot of them, see cute little me, and then I get to those one or two years where we're looking through 7th and 8th grade, and I don't say much to my dad, but on the inside, I'm thinking, oh, crap, she's awkward. <laughs> and I'm just, this morning, really thankful to uh, the Lord for shepherding awkward little Katie Colbreth through middle school, where honestly, there were probably more drugs and pregnant girls and things that I really needed to be away from that I probably could have easily gotten caught up in if I weren't quite so awkward and hemmed into a pair of cargo shorts <laughs> for two years. So I was just very thankful to the Lord for keeping me from things in a way that I couldn't have understood at the time because I had a lot of self-doubt. I felt very awkward. I didn't feel like I was, had, had any friends. But in, I look back and I think if I had, I possibly might not have done as well. <laughs> So I'm just thankful for him working in mysterious ways through faith and not allowing me to get into trouble <laughs> in ways I couldn't understand at the time. So yes. <laughs> that has to be an incredibly encouraging word to parents. Uh, if you're older, your kids have already come to you and said, thank you for not allowing me to do this. Thank you for making me do this. Um, it, it feels so... Zach, that's not the case here? Okay. <laughs> you'll get there. I promise he'll get there, Sharon. But you just hang in there. Hang in there. You'll be all right. Allison? Now we get to hear that cool accent. I can't help that. <laughs> we don't want you to. Um, most of you know that I am a school teacher and I teach fourth grade, uh, which is like nine, ten-year-olds. So I spend most of my day with young people. Um, but I just really want to recognise our seniors today. And um, 
I'm not going to name names, but I just want to tell you what a blessing you are and um, how much we can gain from the wisdom and the maturity and the depth that you guys bring to us. Uh, we have a few people in their 90s in our congregation and um, <clears throat> it's just a joy to be with you and you add so much to our life and you young ones, um, I just want to encourage you guys to hang with some of the oldies. As I get older, I realise that, you know, life is passing. And I think when you're young, you don't really realise that so much. But as I get older, I, I recognise that more and more. And I just appreciate those that have had more years than me and how much I can gain from them and learn from them. And I just thank you for the joy and the faithfulness that you exude in your lives and um, just want you to know you're a really important part of our body and we love you. Thank you, Allison, for recognizing us seniors, we seniors. The truth about the church being intergenerational, multi-generational, you don't find it in a lot of places. Christmas, Thanksgiving, that happens at home. Um, but family dynamics sometimes, are, you know, they're funky. And so um, what Allison said, I, I don't say nearly enough, but we younger ones, I'm including myself in that, need to learn from the experience and the wisdom. Those who have gone before, I was a hippie. I thought I would always be cool. Not so. Um, and so I, I just can't, I can't hang like I used to be able to hang. I don't know any of the musicians, the music, again, thought I would do it all my life. But somewhere I got stuck around Karen Carpenter. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. But there's so many things that I want to say to a younger generation. But you've got to want to hear it. And you're going to have to process it. And understand, older folks, they feel, so many times older folks feel like um, I can't enter into the conversation, so I guess I'll just step back. And then they step all the way back, and we are missing gold in our midst. Because we're unwilling to, now I'm going the reverse of what I said a while ago, we're unwilling to accept the fact that they're not up with everything that we're up with. But the information and the wisdom that they have is invaluable. You may have to process it. You may have to translate it. But it's invaluable. But how will you know? How will you know unless you take the advantage? Again, I'm preaching because you're not. So, <laughs> one, We really only have time for one or two more. Would you like to share? Get Jeremy first. Uh, just going off of the, the home group thing mentioned by Ricky, I'm really disappointed nobody from my home group kind of pointed us out. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you the leader, Jeremy? I just want to... Well, okay, and, and I say that because I don't know how long ago it was now. We were talking to, uh, to Scott and Brad, Jen and I were, about finding a home group where, you know, we have some people that we can look up to and learn from and as a couple, and they kind of said... Jeremy, uh, 
you're kind of, you guys have been married for a while, you need to <laughs> leave one. So uh, we started having, having one at our home, and um, I like the people I like and the people I know, but it takes me a while to get to know new people and trust new people. But I just want to say, you know, over the past year, past couple of years, it's been an incredible blessing to me and my family to have various different families from various different backgrounds, different ages, um, married and not married, in our home, learning from them. Um, I did not feel equipped, I still don't feel equipped to lead, or I guess you could call it leading, um, every Sunday when we have our home group. But we've grown and we've learned from each other, and I have a great support system in the folks that I have in my home group. So. I say that to say kind of what Brad was saying, what Ricky was saying, is if you're not in a home group, find one, be in one, be in close community with the people around you that you live close to. Um, whether or not you think you have a lot in common or not, um, we have, like I said, we have a vast, there's a lot of differences in my, just my home group, uh, people from different backgrounds, but we all are saved and redeemed um, by the same one. So I would encourage you to find a home group, get plugged in, and feed into that and be a part of that smaller community. And I also encourage you to lead one yourself if you feel led to or if you get told to <laughs> by Scott or Brad or, or whomever. Um, take the leap, and I don't think you'll regret it. If only it were that easy. <laughs> we need some home groups. We have a lot of new people coming in. And new groups for new people, that's the best way. It just always is. So if you're willing to do that, thank you, Jeremy. Who is it? It starts with an R. Um, so as I was listening Hi. to uh, everybody saying in praise, uh, I felt God speaking to me like, this, this is important right here. This is a song of praise. This is me and Jesus coming together with a relationship. And um, I just feel like all of this is connecting to the relationship. Um, not playing as much awkward me, uh, blessed family. It's just all amazing. And uh, I just feel really blessed that I have a great family and that we are very healthy and that God has watched over us during the past few, well, during the past long time with this family. Awesome Thank words. you. Thank you. Is it Ryan? Is, it, is that, am I right? Is it Ryan? These guys are new. So Ryan, I'm just getting to know, relatively new. Um, what a way to close relationship it's about relationship and it truly is the body of Christ is not just out there all of Christians through all ages but it's us together the body of Christ and it is family we are family so thanks for that that was awesome all right well um, at the end of every month on the fifth or the last Sunday of the month not just the fifth Sunday but on the last Sunday of the month we take a benevolence offering um, while uh, Ricky was talking about Lee and Marisol Newton, what, we are able to help people. A lot of you don't know about it. Sometimes it's in the body. Uh, a lot of people in, in the body go through some 
sort of crisis and we're able to help significantly. Marisol Newton is from Puerto Rico and she's got family that were devastated. Their homes were devastated from the um, hurricanes. And so we were able to send $1,000 down there. So what you do um, is very meaningful to a lot of people. And um, we've had a lot of needs lately so that fund is down. So I want to ask you to give generously. I promise if this is your first time, you just happen to be here on the day that we take two offerings. Typically it's three or four, but just one offering. But today is uh, special giving for those in need. Let's pray and give thanks to the Lord. Father, we are grateful for what we have in Christ. We're grateful that you made us aware of our need in spite of our narcissistic tendencies, in spite of uh, a culture that cries out for justice, sometimes in different ways, and a, a, a society that is unforgiving Lord in spite of our sin against you which is a far greater offense than any one of the horrible things that we have heard about in the last years and there are many terrible things that need to be addressed and put right but our sin against a perfect and a holy God was a great offense we thank you that in spite of our inability to seek after you, you saw us, brought us into the family. We thank you that you take care of our needs on a daily basis. We thank you that when Colby hears the news that he's got cancer, a little seven-month-old Brianna is diagnosed with cancer, that we can not only support one another with meals and with calls and texts and visits, but Lord, we can approach the one who created us and and ask for mercy in their lives. We thank you for (laughs) all the things that we don't typically think about giving you thanks for. And we do praise you. So bless this offering. May it be used to help uh, ones who have a particular need at this time or coming in the near future. We pray your blessings in Christ's name. I'll send you out this week with words from Paul from the book of Ephesians. Uh, this is Most of this is one long sentence which uh, really speaks to the, just the, the praise that was pouring out of Paul's Paul's mind when he was writing this. And the prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance to the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. With those words. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.